0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Boy, you guys aren't awake yet, are you? No. Okay. Um, I think we're coming into April, and if I remember correctly, my husband's always getting ready for fishing season coming up in a few weeks. Any of you guys fishermen? Dalton's fishermen. Tyler. Okay. Dylan. Okay. Kind of. kind of. Okay. Well, Jesus said in Matthew four nineteen. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, what does that mean? <coughs> fishers of men. Anybody got an idea? Dylan, you're always hiding behind a table there. <coughs> well, it means that we're, if we're following Jesus, we're supposed to make fishers of men. That means we're supposed to tell other people about Jesus. Now, how can we do that? we can pray for them okay we can give our money to bgmc like we usually do next sunday's bgmc monday sunday remember so bring your buddy barrels in so we can pray we can be fishers of men by telling other people or giving money so that missionaries can tell the world about jesus but we're also supposed to tell our own little world our own towns about jesus aren't we and a lot of times, we've done this lesson before, we think one person really can't do very much. But I have something in this bag that's going to help us see that that's not true. All right. I have a bag of goldfish. Right. We're going to go fisher- fishing today. Now, let's suppose that this bag of goldfish is people. There's represent people. I put one goldfish on this plate. Now, if one if this one person tells one person about Jesus, then we have how many people know about Jesus now? Shout it out. Two. two. Yeah. All right, if each of these two people tells somebody about Jesus, how many do we have now? Four. <laughs> And if each of these four people tells something about Jesus, tell somebody about Jesus, how many is going to be there now? Eight. eight, eight. eight. And if these eight people tell, something, some, tell somebody about Jesus, then. <coughs> Sixteen. 16. Okay, and I could keep counting out goldfish until, yep, 32, and then 64, and we, we'll get a big pile of goldfish on this plate. All because one people, one person, told somebody about Jesus, right? So what you say and what you tell other people about Jesus makes a difference. It really matters, doesn't it? Okay. So we've got a job to do. We have a job. We can bring our money. We can send it to the missionaries through BGMC. We can tell other people about Jesus in our own towns, in our own little communities, in our school. And Before you know it, there's going to be lots of people knowing about Jesus and his love for us and his forgiveness for us. So how many of you are going to go fishing for men? I hope all of your hands go up. You're going to go fishing for men. Not just fishing for fish. Okay? All right. You make it downstairs.
1: Thank you. The children can be dismissed. You know, uh, Youth Convention is something that is, I, I think it's just a wonderful experience. And uh, if you saw there, you know, it's eight, ten thousand, six to ten thousand, I don't know anymore, uh, teenagers, kids, uh, young adults, mostly teenagers that come from the state of Pennsylvania, Delaware, and they uh, fill the, uh, it used to be the Hershey Arena, it's now Giant Center, there at Hershey, and uh, you know, it's just a, it's a great time for renewal and a great time for the, uh, our, our young people to be involved with uh, the greater church, which is the entire body of Christ. And it's different than you know letting them know that it's more than just our little church on Sunday morning, but it's a great big body of Christ that's uh, all over the world. But just when you get those, all those people together, it's, it's just simply wonderful. Um, did everyone receive a pa- paper? Checklist? Brian, you want to make sure everyone got a paper? My Daily Checklist. Remember, uh, well, if you remember two weeks ago, I, uh, well, for the last number of weeks, I've been speaking on Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12 is, it just been this chapter that's uh, uh, kind of going over and over again in my my head and my thoughts. And I wanted you to look at this. Two weeks ago, I talked about our checklist. And our checklist is a list of things that we go through for... um, are, you know, how we, you know, a, an airline pilot or someone that, you know, if you're, let me back up a little bit. If you've ever flown with someone in a private plane, you know they have a checklist. And if you ever f- looked at a pilot, bef- you know, they're going over the plane on a commercial plane, they have the same thing. They have a checklist. They go over this checklist every time they start their engine, every time they're going to begin a flight whether it's a private plane, whether it's a commercial plane, they have a checklist. Well, I was thinking of this in Romans chapter 12, of this being a checklist that we look at in our lives and read over. We talked about, spoke about the Lord's Prayer this morning in Sunday school. And how important it is for us to set aside a time in which we will go and pray. And um, the lesson this morning was, I think, it was just an exceptional lesson because of it being the Lord's Prayer. And, um, and it was one that, um, uh, well, maybe sometime we'll do it in, in church. But the idea of setting aside a time. And I, and I have um, written, put together this sermon this morning about this checklist and, and, and uh, how that is part of our life and if you remember verse one and it's taken from the message bible so basically this is the message bible version of romans chapter 12 just broken down segment by segment and the first part is verse one so here's what i want to do today god helping me taking my everyday ordinary life my sleeping eating going to work and walking around life and place it before god as an offering so that's my statement of purpose now as i as I look over this checklist, there are characteristics, then, that will make a difference in my life and the life of the people around me. Does everyone have one? Everyone have one now? Okay. You didn't get one? Did you run out? Hopefully not. I made, hopefully made enough. If not, you can share with someone. We'll get, get one, get some after, after church. So <clears throat> these checklists will make a difference in your life, in your Christian life, in your personal life, in your business life, your professional life. It isn't something that, that as, as we mentioned before, our Christian life isn't something that is isolated to our once a week uh, encounter in church. It is a total package of us as a person being involved in our daily lives, and there are at least... I, can, you know, I have at least four divisions, there's f- more than four, but at least four or five divisions that we can look at in this chapter that as we practice these divisions and as we put them together, we see them uh, perhaps as something that will bring about change in our life, a change in a positive. And, the, and I call them the, the four F's. Now, not you know, we think of an F as a failure, I do, you know. I, I, I was used to those red Fs on my paper. I don't know what happened to the teacher; just didn't see things as I did. But anyhow, um, I married a teacher. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> uh, I don't know if any of you or any of you ever had Fs on your papers. But I hate red pens. You know, we have this secretary at the at the at the hospice that she she always sends things around in red. You know, she circles your mistakes in red and say, "David, fix this." You know, it's like. Can't you use a different color, you know? I just don't like red. Uh, but anyhow, that's a, that's a personal thing. Anyhow, it's not an F as in failure, but the first F is flexibility. Being able to turn the other cheek. You know, the Bible says we're able, to, that we're able to change. If we're going to be able to change, we've got to be able to handle things and be flexible. I often use the analogy, you know, people say that you have to have a backbone. Well, if you have a backbone, that means you can, you're flexible. Often we think of a backbone as that which is stiff and people are unmovable. Well, no, if you have a backbone, which is you and I, we are flexible. We are able to change. We're able to you know, duck, move around, and change direction. So flexibility is the ability to turn, to turn on a dime, to be able to be going in a particular direction and notice something, have insight enough to be able to turn. Um, look at the, the first few checklists here. Um, If you're not flexible, how will we be able to embrace what God does for me best? Fixing my attention on God. Be ready to do what God wants me to do. Do not be drugged down by the situation. God will bring the best out in me today. It means that we have to be flexible, that there are things going on in our life and things going on around us that cause us to look at life and to look at things and to be able to change, and to be able to, as it were, change directions. You know, Jan, where'd she go? She left? Uh, She's downstairs. Jan had to change directions this week. A car was veered out in front of her, and she had to be flexible, if she hadn't been flexible, she would have been, had a head-on collision, but she veered off the road, and yes, they did hit a pole, but if they hadn't hit the pole, they'd hit head-on with another vehicle who, who turned into their path. Well, flexibility is the ability to be, make choices and make changes and to see the need for them and to recognize them. Flexibility is a new direction that was not obvious just a few moments ago. There's a flexibility about our Christian life that allows us to have insight insight to ourselves and to life by by the Spirit of God and having insight into promises and hope about our life. Flexibility is not getting stuck in how it used to be. Well, you know, I've always driven down the road this way before. (laughs) Well, sometimes we have to be flexible and move out of the way of an oncoming car. Sometimes we have to be flexible to move out of the direction. I, always use, I, I use this story. Somebody knocks at your door. You open the door and they punch you in the nose. Okay. You say, okay, I'm not going to open the door again. And you know what? They knock on the door again. They open the door and they punch you in the nose. Now, sooner or later, you either got to learn to duck or not open the door. <laughs> Uh, sounds kind of obvious, huh? You know what? You can go around the track of life, and when you walk around the track of life, there's a hole, and you fall into the track. Now, you fall into the hole when you're walking around the track. Now, you walk around the track the second time and fall in the same hole. Walk around the track the third time and fall in the same hole. Sometimes life is an IQ test, <laughs> and sometimes people just ain't too smart. How many times have you fallen into the same hole all, you know, over and over again? You mean I'm the only one? <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Yeah, We fall into the same hole. What's going on? What's, so, what's wrong with us? Don't we have enough sense to move? To, you know, oh, I know, there's a hole here. Move over. When I was on a farm, we used to, we used to stack hay in the barn. You always hated it when you were down to the last row of bales on the bottom. Because when they built the barn, it was too much effort and too expensive to floor the whole, the whole mile. So they would just put boards across some areas of, of the barn floor. And so what would happen is, you would have, in the barn floor would be covered with hay or straw that was loose, and then you would put your bales on top of it and so on. What do you think would happen if you stepped where there wasn't a board? You fell through the barn floor. Anybody ever done that before? Terry, Terry, Cliff, yeah. Uh, Some of us are old farmers. We've been been in old barns. If you're ever in an old barn and you look like there's straw and hay across the floor, don't go walking over there. (laughs) Because you're going to be in the bottom pretty quick. I've fallen through a couple of times, you know. But sooner or later, you get smart enough not to fall through. So flexibility is that, it, that things change sometimes without notice. Now, we look at the changes in our lives. We were singing this morning about how that God is to bring about change and, God, and that we look at how God is at work in us. That we have a life, as it were, without God, before God. It was a sinful life. It was a self-centered life. It was a life of... Uh, of failures and keep falling into the same holes and making the same mistakes and f- trying to make up our mind to get out of it. Well, God creates a new nature in us. He gives us a new perspective of life. Um, in Matthew chapter 14, verses, uh, beginning of verse 22, I wasn't going to read the whole thing, but I, it's, it talks about Jesus had finished a, meal with his, uh, his, you know, finished a meal with the disciples and the crowd, and he, got, he told the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side, and that he would catch up to them later. But when the boat was far out to sea and the wind came up against them, they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, he says, it is me. Don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call to me to come to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and he started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand, and then he said, Faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat, and the wind died down, and the disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshipped Jesus, saying, This is it. You are God's son for sure. Now, sometimes people are critical of Peter for sinking, but, you know, to my knowledge, he's the only one who walked on water. (laughs) Flexibility. Embrace what God does best for me. It's your checklist. Fix my attention on God. Be ready for what God, what? Wants from me. Sometimes it's to get out of the boat. Do not, what's it say? Do not let myself get, huh? Drugged down. What's the next one? God will bring the best out of me today. You, now, do you see? Can we get a different picture of what this checklist is? I mean, we start putting it into context of what, in, the, in this case, what happened to Peter and the disciples. and We start putting it into context of what's going on in our own life. Peter sank. He was dragged down because he looked away from Jesus. He no, longer saw, he no longer saw Jesus and, and, the, and, the, and the, the desire to come to him. He, he became distracted by the wind and the waves and things around him, and he began to sink. And you see, whenever we look at this checklist and we begin to start looking at our life, don't allow ourselves to become distracted by the difficulties of the life around us. Let us recognize that what, what's the next one? I live in the pure grace of God. The unmerited favor of God, he looks at you and I the same. The pure grace and favor of God, he doesn't see one better than the other. He sees us as his children. What's the next one? So I have people who can read. Does anybody here read? My wife's a reading teacher, and uh, Glenda's a reading teacher. If you need help, see them after church. What's the next one? I will Wait a minute. I, I, have, I will live in the pure grace of God. And I'm part of the body of Christ. And what's the next one? I will find my meaning and function as part of the body. Uh, how about I will not misinterpret my purpose? Where's that one at? I will not misinterpret my purpose. Oh, okay, there it is. I will not misinterpret They're my purpose. God is bringing God's goodness out in me. I can't read either. So anyhow, <laughs> Jesus reached... What's that? I, I, I see Glenda after church. <laughs> Rhonda gave up on trying to teach me to read. So anyhow, um, so I, I, I will not misinterpret my purpose. And you see, and, and I'm going to bring this up maybe a little later, but the idea is, Peter was not learning how to walk on water, he was learning how to walk with Jesus. Okay? In our lives, we sometimes get, you know, drugged down because we're caught up in the circumstances, but this, we're not learning to work, to walk on this, in the circumstances or even on the circumstances, we're learning to walk with Jesus. So we are flexible enough to get out of the boat. We are flexible to know that, you know, Peter was flexible enough to try something he'd never done before. Walk on water. Are we flexible enough to trust God to walk on the circumstances of our life and, oh, I tried that and it didn't work. So what are you going to do? Did you learn to walk with Jesus? Then maybe we need to try it again. You see, our success is not about never failing. Our success is about walking with God and learning how to be the person God wants us to be. And we may have to try some things a number of times before we succeed. See? God is working his pure grace in our lives. There was this child. Um, she was a young entrepreneur. I don't know how old she was. But uh, she was going to sell her dog for $1,000. She had her dog up on this little stand she's selling It was an ugly little thing. And... Uh, And, you know, when you hear this story, my first thought is, why is this kid trying to sell her dog? But that's not the story. I don't know why the kid is selling the dog. That's not the story. The story is this girl's trying to sell her dog for $1,000. And so she's got to sign up their dog for sale $1,000. And, you know, the neighbor comes by and says, well, you know, he doesn't want the little girl to be discouraged. You know, $1,000 is a lot of money for a dog. She says, yeah, but, you know, I know this this is a pedigree dog. Pedigree was a Heinz dog. And anyhow, she was selling her dog for $1,000. At the end of the day, the neighbor drove by and there was a sign there that says sold. Ooh. And so he went up to the little, found the little girl, you know, she's walking around. And he said, did you sell your dog for $1,000? Oh, yeah, I did better than that. I got two $500 cats and a $2 bill. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I got two $500 cats. <laughs> you know, we have to be flexible. Things change. And she was, you know, the little kid's excited. So, <laughs> so the first one is flexible. The second one is focused. Focused means a laser beam focus. Focus on a mission that matters. You know, Glenda talked about the story of, of uh, with the uh, fish, you know, and One person winning a person and one person, you know, those two people. You see, we have a mission that matters. And a mission that matters is a mission of life that is greater than us and it's greater than our time and our talents. It's greater than life itself. It is a mission for eternity. We have a mission that matters. And what we find is that we are part of something that is greater than ourselves. The checklist says, I find my meaning and function as part of the body of Christ. You and I are part of something. We are part of something. We are part of the body of Christ. You know, I said about youth and the, the kids, you know, young people, call them kids, you know, young people going to youth convention, finding out that your life is part of something much greater than just, I mean, not just our body here, but, you know, there's a much greater community of believers out there. And sometimes we lose perspective of that. And our life is more than just taking care of ourselves in our own little community, in our own little homes, but that in our offerings, in our gifts, in our missions, we're taking care of people around the world. So we are part of a meaning. Our our, meaning of our life is greater than just ourselves. What's the next one on the checklist? Okay, it says, I will find my meaning and function as part of the body of Christ. I should have them numbered, right? Okay, what's next? I am excellently formed and marvelously functioning part of Christ's body. I am excellently formed and marvelously functioning. We wouldn't believe that, right? But it's true. You are excellently formed and marvelously functioning. Cut off your pinky. You don't think it's excellently formed and marvelously functioning? Wait till you don't have it. Each of us have a functioning part in the body of Christ. You belong. We belong together. We belong to God. What's the next one? I am going forward. Our life is in front of us. That's why forgiveness is so important. You've got to let go of the past. You've got to let go of your failures and your mistakes. Go forward. What's next? I will not be envious or prideful. I will not compare myself with others. Don't get into that game. Well, I'm not as good as them. Look what they can do. Forget that. You are a unique individual by yourself, a functioning part of the body of Christ. Now, we see these things. We're focused on a mission. And the mission that people will grow and be better than what they, they thought they ever could be. We're part of a mission. And what is this? My gifts, of preaching, then proclaim the good news. If helping, then help. If teaching, then teach the word. If giving, then give encouragement. You see that each of us have a part here. If helping the disadvantaged be calm and not irritated. <laughs> the third F is fostering. Fostering. We need to foster Several things. Foster an encouraging spirit. To be an encourager. There's always someone tearing something down. Look at the news. It's always about, it's not always, but it's mostly about what's wrong with life and what went wrong here and what's going wrong there. And we can develop a negativity about ourselves and others, but we want to foster an environment. An environment. When people are encouraged Where people and our families and our loved ones and ourselves that we are encouraged. We need to be the biggest cheerleaders. (laughs) Not the largest cheerleaders, the biggest cheerleaders. (laughs) I know what some of you thought. My gosh, I saw a big cheerleader once. She was. (laughs) I wasn't talking about that kind of a big cheerleader. We were at a cheering conference last week. Jeez. Ah, Lord, help me. I spent eight hours listening to boom, 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 boom. kids here, I mean, kids everywhere, you know, thousands of kids, cheerleaders. I went to a cheering competition. What to do on a weekend off? I mean, they were doing everything, stunts and tumbles and mounts and dismounts and falls and jumps and I mean you know, I went on. For hours and hours and hours. And then there was two days of hours and hours of hours. You went there to watch a two-minute performance. And you spent eight hours and hours and hours. It wasn't that bad. I got to watch Jack and slept in the car. But anyhow... (laughs) It was it was it was good in the sense that I mean these kids were so good and, and Rachel's daughter, um, Madeline, she they won first team. They won first. Out of about twenty some squads of cheerleaders, their little group, their squad came in first. So they are quite excited about it. And you know, and rightfully so. But we foster we foster encouragement, we foster an environment. Why? Because we are part of the body of Christ. That no part is better than or less than the other. The, uh, the going back to the, the pure grace that we live by. That we are growing in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're at different levels and different places in our growth and our development. But we're still growing. And we have a direction that we're going. We're going forward. And we're not going back. Why? Because God has brought us here. We help others come together. Fostering can be called uh, encouraging or cheerleading and fostering other people's confidence in their faith because of what God has done in our lives and how God has worked in people's lives. We foster faith. Can you imagine what it was like in the boat when the disciples and Jesus, you know, the disciples were there and they saw Jesus and Peter getting back in the boat? Whoa! They were fostering their faith. Jesus was fostering their faith and they said, this is it. You are God's son for sure. I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable what God, you know, Peter, he walked on water. He sank, but he walked on water. Jesus picked him up, brought him back in, and the storm is calmed. Learning to walk with God. We foster perspective. What's the perspective? Keep smiling. All those underneath it there. Love from the center of who you are. Hold on for dear life to good. Love deeply. Keep fueled and ready. Cheerful and expectant. Pray hard. Practice hospitality. No cursing under your breath. (laughs) I always like that one. Share tears. You will not not be stuck up. I will not be stuck up. I will not strike back. I will get along with others. I will run from evil. I will be a good friend. I will not get burned out. I am alert. Some of you are sleeping. No. I'm on alert. I will not quit in hard times. This is a daily checklist. Why? Because we believe in what God is doing and you're part of the body of Christ. I will make friends with nobodies. I will discover beauty in everyone. We keep a life of perspective. perspective. Laugh at ourselves and others. <laughs> a laugh. Be happy. Love yourself and others. Pray hard, get along, fostering perspective, came across this story. The young girl was in college, and she wanted to have her parents keep things in perspective, so she wrote this letter to her parents. Dear Mom and Dad, I am sorry that I have not written to you for such a long time, but all my stationery was lost the night uh, the dormitory was burned down by the demonstrators. I am out of the hospital now. The doctors say my eyesight should return to normal sooner or later. This wonderful boy, Bill, who rescued me from the fire, kindly offered to share his apartment with me until I found a new place to live. Love, Mary. (laughs) You know, Mom and Dad. P.S. Please disregard the above exercise in creative writing. There, was not a, there has not been a fire, and I haven't been in the hospital, and I am not living with Bill. <laughs> but I did get a D in French and an F in math. <laughs> I wanted to make sure you received the news in this proper perspective. <laughs> perspective. <laughs> you know, with all those things not wrong, oh boy, I'm glad you just got a D, you know flexibility focused and fostering the first one and the fourth one is forgiveness forgiveness i need a i need a i need a yeah one up i need a i need a volunteer come on up you can be jesus ah that's good here's jesus you have to face you have to face this way thank you very much and you have to give me your left hand all right now we ask Jesus into our hearts, okay? When Jesus comes into our hearts, Jesus is also the doorway. There's no other way to the Father, to heaven, but through Christ. And, and, and uh, the idea is this, that we have a heart, and a heart is the seed of our emotions, the, the seed of who we are. And the, and the challenge for us is that when we ask Christ into our heart, we become a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. We have to have a right perspective. But in the same instant, when I ask Christ into my life, I enter into a heavenly realm. I have access to God. And so when I ask Jesus into my heart, step forward, Jesus comes into my heart, but what happens? He becomes the doorway that I enter into heaven. So whenever I now have access to God, because Jesus is in my heart. And so He enters my life, He enters my heart, but I also, through Christ, I now have access to God the Father. So he is the doorway to heaven. He is the doorway to the promises of God. He is the doorway to my new life and my new future. He is the doorway to all things new. He is the doorway to this this checklist of successful things that I am going to do in my life. He becomes the doorway that I enter into. So I now have Christ in my heart, but I also have access to the promises. Thank you much. That's Jesus. gives Jesus a hand. <laughs> so the challenge then is that we foster these things in our life. We change them. We, we look at them. We become a new creation because Christ is in us. I now have access to God. And these are the promises and these are the things that I do. And so as I go through these, the relationship of the heart that is rationalized in the mind you don't check your brain when you have faith you have faith based upon a relationship of the heart and an understanding of your mind it's a complete package and when I go through this list it's a complete package of my daily my daily living that I am checking off that God through my relationship with my heart and the understanding of my mind, I am making a declaration of faith as I have entered into the promises of God because Christ lives in my heart. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And what happens? I will not try to get even. That's God's business. He will be the judge. I don't have to worry about people who have hurt me. If my enemy is hungry, I'm going to feed him lunch. If he's thirsty, I'm going to give him a drink. My generosity will surprise them with goodness. It'll surprise me. (laughs) Because I'm not trying to rearrange my life. I'm trying to allow God to work through me. Don't let evil get the best of me. That's not just the mind over matter. It's the heart of the matter is Jesus. He is the one who's going to take care of me. I will get the best of evil. I will overcome evil by doing good. And I will focus on the good because, you see, I will embrace what God does best for me. Start all over again at the top. I will fix my attention on God. I can walk on water. You think evil's going to b- get me down? I will not allow it to drag me down. Why? Because I'm going to overcome it by doing good. The checklist. Our pre-flight list. Our daily list list as we spend time with God we focus our attention from our heart and from our head in a relationship that opens to us up opens up to us eternity and heaven heaven is never so far away God is never so far away as to be just near us he is in us all these promises are ours because of the relationship i have with jesus christ he is in me he is now my hope of glory My inheritance is heaven. I have a home prepared for me.